Hey guys, Chris Murphy here. I'm here with Deborah Sandberg. Hey, Dev. Hey, hey, Chris. Nice to see you, man. Yeah, you can see you again, Dev. Uh, so I've not seen Dev in a while in person because the last few months he's been in Kiev and he's now in Mexico City. So um, I want to interview Dev today because um, a few months ago he just told me that he was just going to go to Kiev for a few months. Um, and like like myself and, and many other people I know some, sometimes dream of going away, traveling or just living in a different environment. But Dev, you know, he had he had this practice and, and things in Brighton. He had a place to stay he, he was in a relationship um, and then sort of just put all of that on on not necessarily hold or just wanted a break for and just to see where life was going to take him so so Deb I guess just start off with what what um, drove you to to go into to Kiev for three months um, you know and, and why Kiev and and also how you just had the courage to just go for it um, and see where you end up well I mean um you know, for a few years, you know, I was maybe back in 2016 or something, 17, you know, I was, I was hearing a lot about people, this digital nomad idea, you know, it probably had been around longer than that, but people who could work on their laptop and just travel around. And at, at the time, you know, I'd been living for a long time in a community, so totally not traveling around, just living in one little space in the community. And, you know, I kind of thought, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, and I was also interested for a while around that time in crypto, uh, cryptocurrency and all that kind of thing. And that's a bit tied into this, you know, but, but the idea that you could like just kind of carry a few things with you, like a snail, you know, in your big bag and just travel off and live in different places, you know, that the infrastructure was kind of now available with things like Airbnb and Wi-Fi and that kind of stuff intrigued me. So... Uh, at the time, I couldn't really do it, but uh, it sort of sat in my brain like, wow, I'd like to do that. I'd like to just travel around and see what life is like, because I'd done a lot of traveling in my 20s and 30s, but mostly just in the winter and not working and traveling. I mean, that was like the 80s and 90s and stuff. So there wasn't so much technology around in those days. But, you know, and then I'd been living communally and getting into the whole therapy scene and then becoming a therapist, blah, 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 for like 20 years and then when I moved out of that scene and I was I was back in Brighton, like in 2019, living in a flat now with a girlfriend. And then the, the COVID came, the lockdowns and that. And in that time, I kind of built up quite a good online thing as a therapist. Uh, I mean, some one-to-one -one sessions online, which is a bit, it's a bit funny, but it's doable with the kind of body-based body stuff I teach. But also people have been asking me for courses on bioenergetics and Reiki and work. So I started to create online content for those. And maybe I started that just before the lockdown and then and then they became quite successful to a point where I was earning enough money to live, you know, off, off, off just for courses. And then at the same time, me and my girlfriend were in lockdown for ages. And at some point when it started to come to a bit of an end in last summer, uh, we were asking ourselves, like, where are we going? What do we want to do? And we wanted to do different stuff, really. And so over the course of months, we kind of split up and she went back to Italy and then came back to the UK. And I just went off to Kiev in August. And I thought, I'll just experiment with living like digital nomad style and see if it's, you know, how, how do I get on? You know, what are the challenges that come, uh, you know, uh, because I do seem to be able to earn enough money but like you know what are the other challenges about just rocking up in some time where you don't you don't know anybody and stuff like that so you know there's, there's been a lot of learnings but i'm enjoying it so far and uh i'm now i was in kiev for about three months and then i was uh, back in the uk i had a workshop to co-lead 
and just see my dad and my sister and her kids and stuff and hang out in Brighton, meet some friends. And then now I'm in, in, in Mexico, basically. I just arrived in Mexico City. So, you know, it's going, it's, I'm about, I guess I'm about four months into my little experiment and it's going, it's going okay so far. Great stuff, Dev. So how was how it, um, how were you when you first got to Kiev then? Did you, and, and how did you find it adjusting to life and getting into a routine? I remember you saying stuff like, you, you know, just getting to the gym and getting your sort of accommodation sorted and, you know, what, what sort of the yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, I stayed in an Airbnb. It wasn't that great the first place I stayed in. You know, it's hard with the pictures to know what how good the Airbnbs are. It was okay. It was the end of summer in Kiev, the end of August, and like, and then I was kind of rushing around to get get myself a travel card, get a local SIM card, find a gym, and get a gym membership because I was kind of keen on the gym, and you know, keep my energy moving. And, and then the challenge is then to sort of meet people. I had one vague friend, American, a half American guy that I know a bit from a few years ago in Budapest, but, uh, you know, we weren't super close or something like that. So I met up with him, but then it was clear, you know, that I wanted to, I needed to meet other people, uh, but I couldn't speak Russian or Ukrainian mm-hmm. and most of them couldn't speak English. So I had to find English speaking people. So, you know, again, it's just like, it was just for me, just, okay, go online, look for, any kind of clubs or groups that are happening where people are speaking English and there is stuff going on, you know, uh, and, and then just kind of, you know, go along, rock up and meet people and just, you know, some people you vibe with, some people you don't. But at some point I made enough friends that kind of when I finished work for the day, you know, if I wanted to go out and meet someone and go for a meal or hang out and have a beer, you know, there's someone around uh, that can speak my language. So, you know that was a challenge, but it was it, 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 it's doable. You know it's doable. It's not so. You know people make excuses. You know as yeah. long as you're accurate with your needs, accurate with your needs, mm. and you go for it, and you're just honest with yourself. I think you you, you can do these things. And there's enough there's there's enough people traveling and doing things, and whether they're living whether they're digital nomad or whether they're just twenty five year old backpackers or whether they're kind of expats working in a different country for the company and stuff like that. There are people out there and, you know, they need to meet. So there are groups and things that you can do. There's also local people in a country who want to learn English or want to practice English conversation clubs and stuff. There's all sorts of things you can do to meet people. It's not so hard. Yeah, definitely. Um, so so what, what were some of your, your fears though, like of, of going, you know, when you got over there and, worst case scenarios you were perhaps thinking and and also just generally I mean obviously Dev you've worked as a therapist you've worked with like with myself and all these other sort of people in my group and stuff I mean what what do you generally think a lot of the fears of those people are as well and um and why they won't go traveling or well people are afraid to take if it's other people 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 are afraid to take risks you know and anyone who's got a, a component of dissociation in their in their psyche you know which is very common for westerners and, and it's, it's in my psyche as well you know we'll tend to have a lot of ideas but then they will always notice well if they're honest they will notice that something tends to come in the way whenever they try and manifest their ideas and it's because they're dissociated and there's a background level of fear you know for me personally going abroad the fears were well, one big, you know am i safe basically i don't know this fucking town is it safe uh, you know i don't want to live in some bit that turns out to be rammed full of like chads attacking people and shit and gangsters and fuck knows what 
you know, so find out, find a decent part of town where it's kind of nice and the streets seem fairly safe, you know, so you're not going to get attacked. You're not, also security, you're not going to get robbed, you know. I mean, mo most countries, I mean, Kiev is pretty secure like that, big metal doors and all of this kind of thing. It's pretty secure like that. And the people are kind of upright. But I didn't know that when I arrived, you know, so safety is one thing. And then the other thing is, you know, meeting people and, and, and finding people and just being open in situations where maybe it doesn't go your way or whatever, you know, and being able to maybe you... You, you try and vibe with a lot of people they don't vibe with you and this is a kind of fear you know and then i i, I isolate myself but you know it's, even if that happens you just have, i just have to get up and keep moving towards people it's keep keep taking risks and challenges so i think you know where people a big thing for people is is is, is dissociation you know it's 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 living in this mind world rather of ideas rather than hey i'm out in the world i'm going to take a fucking risk you know and when we're not perhaps aware of that or not fully aware of, of our dissociation level, then we keep on making excuses. We keep blaming the outside. You know, there's always something wrong with the outside somewhere. It's not us, you know, but it's clear to me that if you want to with, you know, even someone like me, 60 years old, I can go out into the world and travel and do stuff. You know, I can go out and live abroad if I want to. Mm. And my brain is old. I tried to learn Russian. I couldn't, you know, I really had to work at it and I still can't. Spanish is easier because I spoke about it a bit when I was younger, a little bit. I lived in, I spent a summer in Barcelona in my early 20s. And I learned a bit then. So it's kind of easier for me to kind of practice a bit more and do basic Spanish. But, you know, it's like that, you know, you don't have to be in, an, in, in a negative environment. Of course, you also need to make money, you know. You need to have enough money so that you're not a drain. You know, some countries nowadays have digital nomad visas because they, they want people to come, not to take the local people's jobs, but to have money and bring money into the country, you know, whether they're buying, spending rent or, you know, or they're going out eating and stuff like that, you know. So, uh, you know, it can, uh, what I'm saying is it, it can all be done. 2021, you can certainly go out and do this, providing you've got some cash coming in, you know, that's that, that you need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, or have a of cash note to weigh somewhere, you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's obviously. I mean, it's not an excuse I would use, but I mean, it, you know, it's, it, it kind of is. If you if you've got a limited amount of money, it's eventually yeah. going to run out, and maybe yeah. you know. So, so how did you find that? Because um, you said about working and this is the first time you did working and traveling. So, how did you find it different? I mean, what what I found is when I when I go traveling now, or I go to a new city for a few days, I, I tend to not necessarily get bored but I'm kind of like all right I want to get I want to get stuck into something I want to work on this and that I mean did you find I mean the fact that you found you know oh say the purpose or you know your passion obviously bioenergetics and all this sort of work um do, do you find it a lot easier as well so you know how, how is it different and is it great that you just know what you enjoy doing and it's not like you're just in some office somewhere <laughs> Well, I mean, you, you know, I mean, maybe I'm lucky or maybe I just worked at it. But, yeah, I do know what I enjoy doing, you know, which is working as a therapist, basically a workshop leader. And so I enjoy doing that. I also enjoy having a job. I think I would find it harder, you know, being in foreign countries if I didn't have something to do, you know, meaningful with some of my time. I tend to work these days, maybe Monday to Friday, kind of nine till three or something like that, you know, and those are my hours and then then I'm just kind of out, out, out doing stuff but I'm happy that I've got 
some kind of a job, you know, that kind of gives me some focus and direction. I'm writing a book on this time on writing and character structure. You know, I've got projects and I've got book, I've got bits and bobs that are going on. So that kind of keeps me occupied in a way, but it also gives me a sense of meaning that work, that work side gives me a sense of meaning. And also it's a kind of counterpoint to, to the times when I'm going out and having a laugh or meeting people and having fun. You know, I've got this kind of, it's a bit like a kind of nine to five Monday to Friday lifestyle, but it, it, it works for me. I have to induce it on my, I have to kind of put it on myself rather than have a company where I'm kind of clocking in or checking in at certain times, you know, and I've got a boss. I have good boss you know so I have to be a bit my own boss within but I haven't found it difficult I mean I was kind of wondering like technically do I need other stuff because I make video content I have to cart around a bit of video equipment like a bit of lighting and shit you know which is a drag and, and I'm just working off a quite small macbook uh one of these little kind of macbook 11 inch macbooks but that's all fine it's all been fine I haven't really had any hassles I had to buy one uh, light in Kiev that was about all I had to maybe one or two cables or something like that here and there. Sometimes ordering stuff is difficult if you're in Airbnb, the, the, direct, the, the addresses can be really weird. Maybe, you know, postage from the UK has kind of collapsed after Brexit, it doesn't really got yeah. itself together. So it's totally unreliable <laughs> sending things out of the country. So, yeah. you know, there, there can be little problems like that, but I haven't found any big problems at all in four months so far, really. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, one thing that was interesting you said to me before the call about, you know, that TQK, you know, is expensive, especially in London and as you live in Brighton and a lot of these places around London. Um, so it's like the, the, the price you have to make, you know, is a lot higher. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people probably end up stuck in London, um, you know, in, in the rat race, you could say. But why? Yeah. When I went yeah. to Nepal about, <clears throat> excuse me, I went to Nepal about, was it about five years ago now um and it's just so cheap there you know you're paying like two pounds fifty for uh for your for your dinner in the evening you know in a, in a restaurant um and then it's like you know five pounds a night in a in a place right and the, the bar was lowered so much more where it's like i just all of a sudden felt this freedom and it's like hold on i could stay here for a, for a couple of years without worrying so it's um you know that that makes a difference as well would you say um because i know i went to kiev and you know the coffees were paying like 40 50p a coffee i remember i got i got so i can't don't know how much it is now um but you know just does that that makes a big impact as well like because i'm assuming if you're in brighton dev you know that gap's probably a bit higher or did you spend that similar amount of money doing fun stuff in kiev or did you sort of tighten up the I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit cheaper, but it's not like super, super cheaper. I mean, prices are coming up in a lot of capital cities anyway. Kiev, the rents are going up. At least everyone goes all about the rents going up. You probably in a nice cafe, you pay maybe 55, 60 hrivnias for a cappuccino, which is about one pound 70, something like that. You know, it's not on the street. You might pay a pound in Kiev, but well, that's a little a street kiosk standing outside. You know, prices come up, you know, in capital cities across the world, I think prices come up. The thing you can do is like there's, there's, there's stuff like Nomad List, which compares 
like remote working and living in like, you know, 100 different cities worldwide and monitors them with all sorts of different factors around the price of a cup of tea or the Wi-Fi speeds or safety on the street or, you know, whether you're safe being a gay person there or whatever, you know, it's got it does like 100 different factors. And that's kind of interesting. You can go on that their site, you know, and just look at all these different cities that they've assessed and which ones are cool to live in and which ones are going to be a bit of a drag and this kind of thing. There's a couple of websites that do that. One is called Nomad List, and the other one I can't remember its name, but it hasn't got Nomad in it. It's a bit of a, oh, it's a different yeah, kind of name. But they're, you know, just for, for remote workers. But, you know, I pay about, I mean, I'm paying, I'm still paying, I guess in Brighton, I was paying 900, which was splitting with my girlfriend, you know, it pounds a uh, month for rent in somewhere, one bedroom flat, fairly central. And then there's bills on top of that, which is like another two, three hundred quid easy. So it's about twelve hundred a month, you know, which is about fourteen hundred euros. And I wasn't paying all of that because my girlfriend was paying some of it. And now I'm, I'm probably not paying a lot less, given that I'm not I'm, I'm on my own. You know, now, like in Mexico City, I'm paying something like five, in Kiev at the end, I was paying about five, six hundred pounds a month all in with bills and all of that kind of stuff. And it'll be about the same in Mexico City. I'm in the Airbnb right now, but I'll probably charge around and look for some kind of local landlord I can stay with for a couple of months or something like that, get a bit of a cheaper price. But it's not like mega cheap. You know, it's not like I remember places. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are there are places that are cheap, though, that I mean, but, but like you said, I think you said capital cities, I think. Uh, capital cities, yeah. But, you know, they're more they're more expensive. And of course, you know, then there's more going on and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, certainly you can go somewhere like Ecuador and live very, very fucking cheaply. I think I've heard some people doing that because uh, they've got a new digital nomad visa. If you can demonstrate you're earning $300 a month, you can just live there in perpetuity pretty much. Yeah, sometimes you get that break massive dictatorship going on probably but like that's you know that's south america for you anyway you know but uh you know it's like i don't know there's just a lot of infrastructure nowadays with the internet there's a lot of infrastructure you know whether it's airbnb whether it's blockchain stuff or whatever you know there's, there's a lot that, that can support you to be in different countries if you want to yeah no doubt um yeah, great. I mean, on that topic, I know I remember at one point we did talk about. I mean, I was obviously curious how is it with, with the COVID situation. I guess it 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 makes you see how how the countries are reacting differently to it. I remember people telling me they learn a lot as well from just from seeing people's reaction. Um, yeah. So I would say that Kiev, you know, and people probably know that places like the Ukraine and definitely Mexico are probably you know a lot less um, loose with the restrictions. I mean, what. What are the sort of differences you notice in, in Kiev and what you've noticed so far in Mexico um, in comparison to, say, London, Brighton, the UK? Uh, well, I mean, a big thing is like, you know, if, if you're just living in the West and you're just consuming Western media, which is most people in the West, the impression is that you're connected to the rest of the world. But in my experience, that is not really true. You're being fed with images, you know, not necessarily in some kind of malevolent way, but you're just being fed with images of how the rest of the world is. You know, likewise, if you're living in Eastern Europe or in Russia, you know, you're being fed with images or China, you know, you're being fed with images or South America of how the rest of the world is, but they're not necessarily accurate. So that's one thing. So you kind of have to either speak another language and connect into the media of another country to find out what people are actually thinking about the West or whatever. 
you know, it, like, for example, uh, a big news story at the moment in the UK press and all across the West is the Ukraine and Putin amassing troops on the Ukrainian border. But in the Ukraine, people aren't very worried about this. You know, you'd expect people to be in a state of fucking panic or something like that. Uh, no, they're not actually that bothered, really. You know, it's like, yeah, they don't want Putin to invade. But, you know, the, the, the media stories in certain mm. countries or areas get inflated hugely. When it comes to COVID, I mean, in Ukraine, for a start, no one trusts the government. No one trusts a fucking word the government says. You know, they just literally don't. So no one will take the vaccine pretty much. And that hasn't done them all that much good because when a wave of COVID comes, you know, it comes up and goes down and it will kill a lot more people than it will in the West. Because, you know, uh, it's not that I'm wildly pro-vaccine, but it's clear from scientific evidence that the vaccine will reduce the chances of you dying or getting serious hospitalization. So when the big wave does come in, in somewhere like the Ukraine or, or Russia, you know, where also people are pretty... Uh, Communist, former communist countries tend, they don't trust authority because they had so many bad experiences of authority during the communist times. Even though that ended in the like 1990s, still, it's still there in people's psyche, even in people who are, who are in, only in their teens or 20s, you know, they don't trust the, the, the structure very much. So what happens when the COVID wave comes is a lot more people get sick and a lot more people end up in hospital. Uh, a lot more people end up in hospital, a lot more people end up dead, basically. And they just, that's just how it goes. And they do tend to take a bit of precautions. You know, the, the masks are very popular in Ukraine. They'll, they'll always wear masks in the shops and on the underground. I was surprised when I came back to the UK in late November and like, no one is wearing a mask on the underground and London underground and no one was wearing a mask in the train. And I was a bit surprised. I'm not that bothered, but it was like, you know, I was a bit surprised. It was much more that uh, here in Mexico, people wear masks. I mean, they wear outside. Yeah. Local people who tend to be darker skinned and a bit more squat, more they're a bit closer to the kind of the local kind of working class people of you might consider in like London. You what? I was going to say, is it not the pressure? Because basically in London, I was here, and, and yeah, no one was wearing them on the tube. Then they made them mandatory again uh, the other week, and now everyone's wearing them again. So it's not that they want to; it's that because they have to. Oh, I think people here want to. I mean, I think the thing is, yeah, the the same the yeah, people here want to. You know, I mean, they they they're concerned about it. I mean, like, you know, if you're you're just some poor guy living in in, in the outskirts of Kiev or, or the outskirts of Mexico City, you know, you don't want to fucking die. Basically, you know, it's simple as that. You don't want to die. Probably your diet isn't that great. And you think, well, if I wear a mask, it'll reduce the chances of me catching COVID, which is probably true, certainly in an in a indoor area, that seems to be the case. Outdoors, it's probably relatively untrue, I would say. But I mean, I certainly, in Kiev, you don't see many outdoors mask wearers, but in Mexico, in places I've been so far, they, 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 wear, they wear the masks outdoors. Quite a lot of people wear them outdoors, you know, which is quite something in this heat as well, though, of course, they're used to it, but like, yeah, you know, but, but here again, in, in Ukraine, the government will take action, but no one takes any notice of the action, pretty much. Like, you know, it'll have a red zone and shutting things down. But, you know, the first couple of days, people are really into it. And uh, there's someone on the door checking that you've got vaccine passport. And about a week later, they, they just kind of, yeah, and you go, you know, well, they see a British one. It's not written in Cyrillic script and they just let you in. They don't care. Uh, you know, the keenness goes. People get bored of it here there doesn't seem to be any vaccine passport stuff and the government doesn't seem bothered you don't have to you don't have to be vaccinated to enter the to enter mexico you don't have to do any tests to enter mexico you're supposed to fill in with some 
Vuelo Seguro online form, which is completely shagged, basically, and the English translated version just makes no real sense. But, uh, you know, you're supposed to fill that in. And sometimes they might check it. They checked it once. What, why was that, Deb? Like, what, why, why is that in Mexico? They're not even bothered. And then if you go to somewhere like Spain or these places I've told, I've been told where they either won't let you in or it's really mm. strict. Um, and then maybe shoving the tests up your nose or whatever. What yeah. about Mexico? Is it just that they can't be asked? And is it similar to Kiev that they? I mean, you got to. I mean, I mean, the, the EU is super keen on regulations, basically. I mean, on, and and they, they they want digital identities to come in. They're not even hiding it. You know, I mean, Tony Blair, who who runs the, I quite like actually, Tony Blair Institute for Global Change you know, has, has made absolute statements in, in the summer saying, you know, we really see, uh, you know, vaccine passports as a route to getting digital identity. And digital identity, personally, I agree with, you know, I'm fine with digital identity. In fact, I'd be the first person in the queue to get a digital identity. I'm not an old hippie sort of Luddite type, you know. But, you know, nevertheless, it would be nice to even bring it bring it in a bit more directly as opposed to, okay, let's have vaccine passports and then we'll have digital identity. Mm. Because, in the EU now, it is a bit draconian, basically, you know, in Greece, you can't even sit outside a cafe unless you've got a fucking vaccine passport, you know, which makes no scientific sense whatsoever, none, you know. Uh, so the EU has got an alternative agenda as well, you know, and Blair tried to bring the agenda into the UK, but the, 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 the Tories were in control and the Tories are, are anti these kind of rules, you know, so if the Labour Party were in, Britain would probably have a lot more vaccine passports, you know, without bringing any political blah blah into it. That that tends to be how it goes. The more left wing government is, the more likely it's to introduce social control. You know, that's a general principle because the left is much more about you know the needs of the many against the needs of the individual, and right wing parties tend to be more towards the, the needs of the individual uh, opposed to the needs of the many. And with something like a pandemic, of course, there's a clear there's this clear, you know, it's clear that, you know, the needs of the many are important. And if everyone, if no one's taking, you know, prophylactic measures or whatever, then the pandemic could get worse and the many get in trouble. You know, that's just pretty obvious what those measures are can be discussed. So in the EU, you've got an assortment of factors piling up. The thing with democracies is that, you know, they're not really, they're kind of run by the people, but not really. You know, it's like there's lobbying commissions in the background mm. and social media campaigns. Everything's moving public opinion in certain directions all the time. There's a lot of manipulation. You don't necessarily get that outside of the West because you've just got simple autocracies. Someone at the top of the government says, we're going to do this. Or in the Ukraine, you know, the government doesn't even run anything anyway. There's five oligarchs who run the whole country, basically. Everyone knows that, you know, and it's like, OK, we're going to do this and that's what we're going to do. You know, so you don't have even the pretense of democracy outside of the West, which is about 87% of the world, you know, the population of the world is not living in Western democracies, it's living in these simple autocracies. So then when you come to Mexico, and I don't really know the exact reasoning behind the Mexicans, maybe I'll, I'll find out as, while I'm here, but they're not, they don't seem, the government doesn't seem bothered, basically. Possibly it's a bit more right-wing, I don't even know much about the government here, and so it's not interested. You know, it's going to be a simple autocratic structure where basically, you know, the relatives of the people, of people who run things get a lot of money out of it, you know, and maybe they want the tourism to continue. There's a lot of, you know, vaccine sceptical or vaccine hesitant people come to Mexico because there's no restrictions on them and it's nice and warm in winter. 
that kind of thing, you know. So I don't know the real reason why Mexico isn't isn't following any specific uh, rules, but uh, you know, what you've got to understand is that it's only really in the West that you have this kind of veneer of democracy. Well, you know, there is a decent level of some level of democracy there. In the rest of the world, they're just living in simple autocracies. Pretty much anywhere you go, you go to Southeast Asia. You know, a few guys are running the country. Go to Myanmar, they're, they're running the country. Go to India, you know, the powerful businessmen at the top are running the country. They even got, you know, institutionalized class structure. You come to South America or Central America, you know, there's very simple autocratic power structures, you know, top down hierarchies. And so the people at the top decide what's going on. And there might be a little bit of influencing from the West or somewhere else, but probably not that much. That's how I see it. Yeah, Dave, thanks. Thanks for sharing all of that and, you, you know, your opinions on things and, and yeah, I mean, it obviously got me thinking. I think I think on this topic alone, we could end up going completely off script and, and talk about lots of stuff that's going on in the world at the moment. Um, but it is, it is interesting, like you're saying, to see, you know, you can't help but get into political sort of, you know, realizations or, or discussions because you go to countries and you see how things are different, but ultimately the same, you know, this like, stuff to do with the government maybe you know either they don't care or people don't trust them and it's you know also seeing how the uk is you know you you said sometimes i think oh there's no one trusts the government here but like you know they they do because they still are following what they say but it sounds like ukraine is very much just given given them the finger which i think is kind of cool um well it's, but, it's, kind of, it's also just historical you know if if, if you were brought up in a country your parents were brought up in a country where authority visibly lied to you for a long yeah, period of time which is exactly what happened in the communist you know like bloody chernobyl is exploding and the government's saying it's all okay don't worry you know it's like you're not going to trust authority you're just not you know and, and and that will continue for decades afterwards you know, it's, it's so why, not so much why, why the They're not protesting. They don't give the finger to the government, you know. They don't give the finger to the government. They just don't comply. They don't do it in any kind of rebellious way. They just find a way to not comply. So why do you think the UK has, you know, has some people who trust and then they get angry all the time with, you know, it's like this kind of ongoing parents, like living with your parents and throwing a tantrum all the time or... You know, that's that's what it feels like in the UK. Because if you said in, in the Ukraine, it's like everyone ignores them, and in the UK, there's there's quite high compliance, but there's also um, is that is that to do with the history of the country and these sort of things? I think it's more just. I, I guess it's more just about being a Western democracy. You know, there's that one. There's a lot of you know the government knows. Okay, we've got a democracy. If people want to protest, they're allowed to protest. You know, if they want to have a big freak out they can but at the same time of course you know you've got huge kind of media campaigns you've got manipulation stuff going on in the media you've got all of this stuff you don't really get that so much from the other countries i've been to because there's no need because uh, you know it, it, it wouldn't make much difference uh, you know so it's like you've got this whole media show going on in in in, in the west you know pushing people in different directions the media is very very powerful in western countries traditional media and as we're seeing social media now you know so uh, you know you're just you're allowed to do more protesting and stuff like that but at the same time you're also immersed in a lot more propaganda you know you don't you don't i don't think you get so much propaganda here well i've only been in mexico and here but i don't i don't think you get so much propaganda around it you know mm -hmm. you have a few you wear your masks but i mean 
it costs money as well, doesn't it? You know, that's what I found in Nepal. It, it, it didn't really have much stuff because they couldn't afford it. I mean, what I noticed in Nepal was people were a bit like, yeah, the corruption stuff because they were just like, um, Kathmandu had an earthquake um, and then the, their country yeah. had given all this money years yeah. ago and, they, and their government never paid to do it up or they never finished. Like, well, yeah, it's trickled down, it's trickled down. They'll take a chunk of it and then they'll give a bit over to, to, to what they're supposed to do. It's how yeah, it yeah, yeah. And also, of course, I mean, another factor in is that, you know, the average Westerner does not have the much major survival threats that they need to face on a, on a regular basis. When COVID comes along, you know, it's massive in the West because you know, it, 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 we don't have other survival threats. Now in Ukraine, you've got the threat of invasion, you've got the threat of poverty, you've got all sorts of dramas going on and stuff like that. You know, COVID is not, it's not whacking right up into the top of your nervous system in terms of threats, you've got other things going on. Plus you've learned a basic resilience because of all that drama. You're not expecting to live to be 95. You know, same in South America or Central America. You don't. Your expectation as an individual is not that you're going to. You know, you know, your family is much more important. You know, there's always different factors that are coming in. You know, so COVID may not register so far up in terms of what's making you panic. Whereas in the West, it's terrifying the crap out of people because they haven't had any significant survival threats. You know, since World War Two, basically, and the threat of the atomic bomb or whatever. You know. Yeah, I mean, this this stuff is so fascinating. Um... I guess linking it back to traveling now it's all I mean I think overall it's good to know about all this stuff and maybe people are suited to different countries and you know where they where they're feeling the the stress of the whether it's the media and, and the way people are reacting you know you get on the tube or whatever and maybe people are talking about it they're, and they're stressing out they want you to stay away from them whereas you know maybe you're in somewhere like Mexico it, it could be different so it's I think it's good to get out there and still see the world um yeah. particularly at the moment you're you're like sort of pointing out that yeah you're seeing the, the definitely the differences in in how the world is handling this this particular sort of crisis but what would you say with you know once once the Kiev thing was was over um you know what what made you then want to go to Mexico and not sort of just stay in Brighton obviously apart from the hot weather in, in uh Mexico um would you, would you not just sort of take well, away from Kiev and stay in the UK for a bit, or did you just want to get out again? Well, a friend of, a friend of mine was in, was in Mexico City for six months of 2021 early on, and he was just messaging me saying how great it was, and I thought, I've never been to Central America, and I kind of had the idea, oh, maybe I'll get, get into Russia or Georgia, I was also interested in, in kind of Central Asia. But then I thought, well, it would be, what would be more of a challenge? What would be more of a challenge? And I thought, well, It'd be more of a challenge to go to Central Central America because I've never been there, you know. So that was one thing, and then uh, and 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 then the therapy I teach is quite grounded. There's quite a lot of people who are interested in bio in Latin cultures, which is which is mostly apart from Southern Europe is mostly Central and South America. So I thought like I've never even been to these countries where a lot of this therapy actually comes from, or is certainly very popular in those areas. You know, where there's more natural respect for it. For, for bioenergetics and for the Reikian work. So that was another factor really. And then, yeah, the weather was a, was, was a first. So you got the risk for me, you know, taking a bit more risk coming out of my comfort zone, you know, and doing something new. Yeah. And, and I got confidence from being in, in Kiev for a few months and surviving and doing okay. I thought, well, I can live like this, you know, I could go somewhere else as well and try that, you know? So that and the background with therapy and the weather and stuff, 
kind of like, I, 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 you know, I would have felt like, God, I'm really playing safe if I'd stayed in Brighton, paying a shit ton of money to live in a, in a flat somewhere and stuff. It would have been okay right through the winter, but I mean, I would have felt a bit of a, I don't know, I would have felt a bit of a sado, I think, having kind of set myself the challenge and then kind of back down from it, you know, for no good reason, really. Yeah, definitely. Do you think it's good to, because I mean, I sometimes feel like, because I, I feel like sometimes I get a bit bored with being in one place that, you know, I feel like in my life I need a bit more variety. I tend to mm. in London at least every few months or every six months or year move to a different area, a different location, learn a mm. bit more about, you know, you know, because, and then sometimes I meet people who are like, oh, I've lived in the same area for like 20 years of my life. And it's, for me, I don't know if I can just do that. <laughs> So, so do you think that's maybe just the kind of person you are and your sense of adventure? I mean, do, do you feel like that? I mean, with you, you're saying that you're in different Airbnbs. I think it would be great because there's the great perks of just Airbnb and, you know, you're staying in places that are all furnished, whereas I know people who maybe they move house a few times and they've bought everything, they're carrying it around. And, you know, so I, found, I find it a bit more free to sort of live, live like that going Airbnb. Do you, do you sort of agree with that as well? And do you think it's a certain type of person that, just wants that adventure and that's what makes them happy yeah i think i think you're right in that in many ways and you know challenge is a big thing for me as well like if i'm doing i'll challenge myself if i'm in a bit of a crisis you know and if i'm not i kind of get in a bit of a track you know and i just kind of chug along a bit and you know then when when me and my girlfriend were discussing in the summer and saying hey who actually want to do different stuff that's a challenge for me you know my brain registers that as a challenge and then it's like okay take the challenge and, and step up and it's it's made a difference in my inner state having to face myself more having to face loneliness you know having to face and make it more aloneness and get go out and get my needs met you know that has been a good developmental challenge for me and it's given me certain confidence as well uh, you know so that, that for me is a, bit, a big part of it, recognising the value of challenge and the fact that I can get pretty stuck at times. And, you know, we all get in a rut, you know, we all get in a fucking rut. And it's like, are you, are you happy with the rut or are you sufficiently unhappy that you will get out of the rut? You know, because the rut also offers comfort, you know, and kind of, you kind of know the reference points, you know about your boss or whatever and your workmates, your relationship and you know all of this stuff but then there's always the kind of part of the mind that says mm, but what if you just jumped out of this and did something new you know yeah. and then that's a, that's a risk you know a challenge and that's that's always exciting as well as a bit scary hey? it's it's primal stuff it's very basic stuff you know taking yeah. risk did you find you know i was chatting to one of my friends and he said that he said it was great because he's gone to morocco um and he said it just made him like because he's left sort of all of his friends in London he's been there for a few months and he's realized more about those relationship dynamics what he wants what he doesn't want and sometimes it's difficult when you're in it to, to really reflect um, and then also another question was you know when you're then in Mexico or Kiev and you're making new relationships did you catch yourself aware of recreating similar dynamics I know he's not got a boss at a job for example but I know if I went traveling you're more likely to maybe run into some authority figure or, or you know or someone who's you know or have someone like that in your social circle who, who may trigger the same things who you be sort of aware of stuff like that or did i didn't you... get any mass i don't think i had any massive authority triggers you know and or just like relationship dynamics you know maybe 
you know, like I mean, some similar ones that you would have in, in say, say London, or you know, did you find? It's curious. You know, I developed quite a lot of friends in 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 Kiev. Several friends who are quite a lot younger, like half my age. You know, just to hang out, we go for walks together and stuff like that. But I didn't find myself getting into many major authority kind of dynamics with people. I wasn't that wasn't getting triggered so much for me. Um, I mean, I also worked a lot on that side and I've had a lot of authority trips in the past. I think a challenge for me, I mean, I was kind of entangled with my, my ex for a lot of the time in Kiev. And so I wasn't really going out and dating and meeting new women. Mm. You know, that would be a challenge for me here now to go out and meet women. And, you know, that would be more of a challenge. I don't know if I'll get in a lot of authority stuff. You know, I have that side, but a lot of the charge inside has gone from that. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's come out in the therapy groups or whatever, you know, I don't get super triggered by the cops and stuff like that, or vast levels of government corruption. You know, I'm all look, hey, how, how am I in that, you know? Yeah. You know? So that's not, I don't know. I mean, maybe who knows what will get triggered, you know, I don't know. But I think the challenge for me will be more around like women and dating, you know? Mm. And, and it allows you now you're out there to see, your life that you were living in Brighton of things that you you liked and maybe things you didn't like is, is that you know like I told you my friend went to Morocco and he was like mm. hold on two or three of these friends I was around I just yeah I don't want to hang out with them when I get back you know do that because when I when I went to Nepal as well I noticed I had this like yeah just this freedom because then all of a sudden you don't get people texting you all the time because you're you know you're on the other side of the world and people think you know, maybe even if I'm trying to text you, Dev, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, Dev's probably too busy. Um, and then maybe you're not. Maybe you just sat in some cafe in, in Mexico, just like not, not doing much. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think I had so many friendships that I was trying to get out of in some way or something like that. Like the friendships I had in Brighton, I think there's a tendency to get a bit too cosy in them, you know? So not making new friendships and just hanging out with my mate here and friend there or an ex there or whatever you know it's a bit bit cozy and not very challenging and we kind of know each other very well and that's okay uh, but it's also exciting to go somewhere else but I haven't noticed like you know bits that really bugged me so much I think I probably just got out of those anyway a bit you know I mean certainly I don't know yeah it felt safer because I just knew Brighton very much but I don't you know I don't have a lot of when I think back to the UK now, it just seems a bit kind of grey and expensive. But I don't have a massive down on it at the moment. Mm. You know, it's just it's just pricey for shit. You know. Yeah. You know, so it's expensive. You know, basic stuff is bloody expensive. You know, sometimes. You know. This is what Travis doing. Then it's changing your perspective. Of, yeah, possibly. You know, maybe what you wouldn't have been aware of if you were just living in, in the UK. Um, so yeah, I guess Deb, maybe we could, we could sum this all, you know, finalize all of this and. Yeah, maybe just, just you know, why do you recommend people to go traveling or people who are like, oh, I would love to go away, but yeah, I'm going to leave it for another year or this or that, you yeah. know, staying well, in that so. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's like, it's not so much that I recommend people to do this because I'm a therapist. It's more like, you know, I encourage them to look if you have a plan to do something and you're habitually not doing it. You know, that is down to you. It's not down to any, you can make 400 excuses about why you're not doing it, but it's finally down to you, you know, and we are all, you know, all 7.8 billion of us on this planet in the same thing. We're in the same thing. And, you know, if you're not stepping up and taking risks, 
you know you're probably beating yourself up internally and you have to be willing to say how long am i going to put up with that so it's not so much that i recommend things for people you know it's like it's like it's down it's down to the individual you know it's down to the individual and i think but i think you know something i did learn and notice was i had a lot of i was building up stories of resentment to a degree being stuck in the uk you know there were underlying resentments there not massive but they were there and then coming out of there you know recognizing okay i'm getting a bit resentful about this place i think is useful and then saying hey is there anything practical i can do to change it or should i just move somewhere different do i actually want to move somewhere different that's useful to do and, and then you have to learn what you need to do it largely yourself you know it's not other people that are going to do it for you yeah, definitely. And, and as well, just, just being in a different environment, seeing different things, meeting different people, you know, you, you become more present, right? Because it's just something different. You're like, whoa, what is this? I didn't even know this place existed in the world, you know? Feel like well, you get more stimulation, you know, you get, you get yeah. stimulation, you know, it's like, you, you, you know, you may, you know, you may get triggered to fuck, basically, <laughs> a certain thing, you know, what's you know, which maybe you thought you were okay with before, you know, it's, 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 it's a challenge, you know. Great stuff, Dev. All right. Um, well, I think I'll, I'll leave the, the interview there. So um, thanks, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's nice to see you again, Chris. Very happy to chat.